Welcome into another edition of Football 52. This is our All Things Football podcast. Uh, I'm Brady Hole with uh, the one and only UNC head football coach, Ed Lamb. Episode 2, Coach. You came back for more. I love it. We had a great conversation last week. I enjoyed it. Uh, the, the chance to reflect, the chance to answer some questions, to hear things um, you know, from your perspective, um, and try to offer an inside look at what we're doing. To me, it was, it was educational, enjoyable at the same time. Well, and, and as we get updates throughout the year, I'm really excited for when the season actually hits, too. We can start talking about a little bit of the X's and O's from game to game, the matchups, get your real thoughts on all that. But, you know, for example, getting this story and having this podcast is great because normally when we get to signing day, the official signing day, and we have all the, all the players now, we have the list, I'd bring you on for a quick conversation. You'd go over it. But this gives us an opportunity to kind of delve into that class and then, of course, go through a few other topics that are on your mind. So this is what I really love about it is we have a, an opportunity to really dig into this. And we, we discussed this a lot last week, Coach. You're not messing around. When you say we're recruiting, we're going after Colorado guys, well, the proof is in the pudding there. I got the signing class up here. And without – I'm not. you can no comment me if you want. You don't have to go into specifics because I know you're going to say everybody on this list is awesome. We, we are excited about every one of these guys. But is there a guy that kind of – a couple of guys that really stick out or do you want to go, no, everybody sticks out? Well, yeah. I mean you've, you've heard me allude to it before. Um, the philosophy is we're looking for what these guys can be in two to three years. Sure. That's, that's really the – North Star. And so, you know, when we talk about, you know, who's who's really exciting, I think that that question can even be taken a few ways. Okay, who's the best high school football player? Sure, who's the most right. dynamic high school football player right now? Um, you know, and who has the most development potential? That's certainly exciting. But then there's, uh, there's a leadership quality. You know, these guys that all came out of uh, Fountain, Fort Carson, you know, they brought each other on and they even started to talk to, you know, more of the guys in their surrounding area and reaching out on social media. So much of recruiting nowadays is done by the recruits themselves and the current players on the roster. So really excited that we've got already some leadership developing in that crew. And, you know, one of the first guys from down there was uh, Matthias Price. And, and, you know, he brought ended up having three of his teammates join them. And I think that was exciting to see all that happen. How important do you think – how important is that when you get guys – because you do have already kind of a sense of, of a brotherhood, a built-in brotherhood, and they'll adapt to the rest of the team. But when you get a few guys that are like, hey, I'm going there. You should go there too. Let's keep this going. What we did in high school, we'll grow together. How important is that? It's critically important. You know, Somebody told me the other day that the highest rated recruit in the class is Lincoln Fapuli, also from Fountain Fort Carson. And, and we were on Lincoln early and had him highly rated um, for our evaluation. It may be a su- surprise to some folks. I don't look at other people's evaluations. I don't really know who does those other evaluations and it's not – it wouldn't change ours, right? And so we've already put in the work. We've got our own evaluations. We've got every player in the state of Colorado rated. And Lincoln was rated really highly for us, and we were recruiting him. And, and you know, it, at that point, uh, for the for the high school prospect, through their senior year in in our recruiting calendar, they're making their decisions about who they're serious about. And, and we felt like that Lincoln was interested in us, but not coming to UNC necessarily. And then, you know, after Matthias's visit, and some of those other guys from Fountain Fort Carson started to commit, you know, I just felt like his his tune changed. And, and I can totally relate to that. The idea that he'll have a support system here, the idea that he's got people here that he trusts 
that are veterans in the program because we've got several guys from that area, but also three other incoming freshmen. That's exciting for him, and I understand that. Did you get everybody that you wanted? I mean, I, I don't think any coach is going to come out there and say, yeah, absolutely everybody on that list we got, but... Tell us, you know, how you feel about this class as far as when you when you set out to do this. Obviously, it takes a lot of work. You're working well ahead of signing day. Um, how how you feeling? Did you did you accomplish what you felt like you needed to accomplish? Um, yes, absolutely is the easy answer. I think to go into a little more detail, um, you know, I I talked about it a little bit last week where there there are a lot of uh, coaches that are really looking for immediate talent immediate fixes. And there's there's power in that. And I understand there's people winning that way. I don't think that's the way to win at UNC. Um, and I think we have some special and unique challenges here. So so our, again, guiding light being you know, what these guys might look like in two to three years with with uh, being in, in what we aspire to be the hardest working team in America. Really, we're not necessarily starting our, our recruiting process by saying, okay, we need three receivers, we need five offensive linemen. You know, we haven't put numbers like that to it. We're going up and down this state saying, who are the best, most developable players in the state of Colorado first? And then if we need to, on, on one or two years, take a lot more guys on offense than defense and then start to make a little more of a shift. We'll do that at a later time. But we're talking about a three-year cycle here in terms of when these guys are legitimately expected to start uh, making major contribution on the field. So your philosophy could, I mean, not that your philosophy would change, but every year it could change. Like this year, for example, you're saying, hey, I'm I'm looking for guys. You know, I'm not necessarily looking for positions, offense, defense. I'm looking for guys that I feel obviously physically fit what we're looking for, but mentally fit what we're looking for too. That could change next year as the season progresses. You go, oh, okay, we need to go heavy here. But this year was more of like, we're we're getting dudes in here. That's right. Yeah, we're getting guys for the future. We're going to build the team. A lot of these guys have a position um, listed next to their name that's going to change at some point during mm-hmm. their time here. That's part of our recruiting philosophy. I mean, you know, we in this in this part of the state, we still get a lot of publicity for what Coach Prime is doing, and maybe that's a national thing right now, where, where Coach Prime's doing a lot of different things. And and I think he would answer this question differently, right? Because it's like from the beginning, from what I understand, they needed an offensive line fix. And, yeah. and so to answer yeah. that question that you just asked me, hey, coach, mission accomplished on signing day, that's a very specific uh, quest that they were on and a very specific yes or no answer. For us, uh, I'm going to say ask me in three years how this recruiting class was. I'm going to write that down. I'm yeah. in three years. Um, <laughs> we had great a great response from our first podcast. One of the questions that I received was about the prime situation for you. And I wanted to ask you this question on this podcast. Someone had asked, hey, does it will it help you at all with prime time? He's not looking at the prep side. He's not he's not going local very much. Do you think there's any would there ever be any working relationship there where he has guys that are interested in CU and he goes, Yeah, that's not that's not where we're going. We're going with the portal. You ought to look up north. D- do you see a scenario where something like that could ever happen? I, I doubt it's part of their process, you know, just being on both sides so of that. Yeah, I, I doubt it's part of their process, but I do think the question uh, comes comes from a place of, of good understanding. Sure. Where we're going to find out about those players that maybe, you know, would prefer to stay in state uh, are being under-recruited. And then if Colorado overlooks them, and, and by the way, Colorado State, too, I, I think they only signed uh, two or three uh, Colorado kids. Yeah, it wasn't they, a lot of Colorado kids, and they were legacy kids. Their their fathers played there, from what I understand. So, and and you know they're doing a different thing. I'm not in any sure. way passing judgment on what either one Colorado or Colorado State's doing. But 
it does leave an opportunity for us to go up and down this state. And if the high school coach says, hey, you know, Colorado's not a heavily recruited state. I don't see a lot of outside schools coming in from outside the state. These guys, I believe that they can play at the Division One level. Yeah, there's there's an opportunity for us. And I think we're already taking advantage of it without the help of you know, Coach Prime or, or Coach Nobel or any any specific effort on their part. No question about it. I mean, you yeah. just look at this list, and I think that's what excites a lot of people. And that was a lot of the feedback that I got because we did our first podcast shortly after that. We had we got this list of these guys, and and people really they love hearing you say, "Hey, we're recruiting locally. We're going to go after Colorado." And then to see that list, it's easier said than done. So it's exciting to see a lot of these guys on this list overall. So we'll be like you said. We'll, we'll talk in three years. We'll see how these guys progress. It's kind of like the NFL draft. I always think it's funny when people are like, grade the draft. Yeah. We, you have nothing to go off of but their college career. We have no idea how they're going to perform next year in their rookie year. They might not even play in their rookie year. So being able to grade it, I always think it's funny. We're, we're, we're grading uh, signing classes, draft classes, all that. You can't do that until you actually see these guys on the field for, for a few games or for a full season. Absolutely, and and you know, I can just unequivocally say I'm I'm really excited about them. Several of them will play earlier in their career. I don't mean to in, intimate that it's going to be three years before you see anybody on the field. There'll be guys that probably start as freshmen next year. It's just that as a program, we're not counting on that. We're we're counting on everybody coming in and competing. We're counting on the development of these players over a period of years. And one more thing, I'd just like to add about the recruiting class. You know, if there's any misunderstanding. Uh, in terms of, okay, well, our priority is to look at Colorado first. That doesn't mean we're only looking at Colorado. That doesn't mean that any right. of these guys, um, we took them because they're from Colorado. We, we, that happens to be our priority. We look at them first. And if it's, you know, if it's a close evaluation between a Colorado prospect and an out-of-state prospect, we're going with the Colorado guy. Well, I would just imagine the sheer number. I mean, you look at all these football teams in the area, there's going to be I don't know, 10, 20, 30 guys that could legitimately uh, play Division One football. So I just think the numbers alone, it's the, I think the frustration from fans over the years was just ignoring these guys. And that's obviously not what you're doing, but you're, and I love that you're clarifying that. We're not just going after you if you're Colorado, but there's got to be that many guys every single year that ultimately could play Division One football. I think what people are excited about and what I'm excited about is proving that. Yeah. Is 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 bringing that local pride, bringing that in-state pride, proving that these players are being under-recruited and uh proving it on the field, proving it with with results. I'm betting my job on it, and if people are, get excited about that and they're behind that, then you know, I'm I'm going to enjoy that celebration with them yeah well i'm looking forward to seeing what these guys can do um as you said some of them as soon as next season some of them it'll take a little bit longer that's pretty natural overall um wanted to go into a couple of bullet points here today as we're progressing through the show i love last week you brought up the fact that you're bringing in alumni guest speakers and and i think that that's so important for so many reasons because what i've seen with teams in the area and not just in the area in the nation where there will be schools that come out and say hey they don't Reach out to the former players. A new coach comes in, and I, I'm going to use a line from Sean Payton's Denver Broncos when Sean Payton's talking about getting over a bad streak. He said, "That's not my hump to get over." I always I don't like that because when you take a job as the UNC coach, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, you're absorbing uh, absorbing some of that history. You're taking in the school, all of that stuff. So reaching out, getting guest speakers, getting alumni in, I think it's just so important because you see a lot of these guys get frustrated that. The coach, the administration's not reaching out to at least at least have them come back and and see the school, tour the school, talk to some football players. 
Absolutely, uh, and it's been big. Uh, the the response from our players has been fantastic. They've they've actually reached out and thanked the speakers. Uh, we had wow. uh, yeah, we had John Zuberigan come. In. So guys from different eras. John Zuberigan came in and and did a nice job with the players. A lot, a lot of uh, just the, really the sharing of the personal history within the context of the success that they had at that time. Chad Easton was another one that came in, so different era there. Uh, and these guys have been you know, successful in business as well. Yeah. And so able to talk about what their experiences at UNC meant for them in life after as, as a father, as, a, as a, a business owner, as an employee, as a, as a husband. Uh, Bruce Spiegel came in. We've got Tom Beck coming in, in a couple of weeks. So a lot of guys that if, if you've paid attention to UNC football over the years, you know these names. And uh, these are just some of the guys who have been a little more active in staying in contact with me. I'm sure there's dozens of other guys that would come in and do a great job at speaking to the team. And, and my hope is just to keep this going for a long time. Now, refresh our, our, our listeners. How often are you doing this where you're bringing in those alumni speakers? We do that every Friday. I mean, yep. that's every week you're yep. getting, you're getting week. somebody coming in talking yep. to this team. And the, and the name of it is the last word. I spend about the first twenty minutes going over our current, you know, um, state of the program. What's going well? What needs to improve? Um, we're going through. I mentioned it before. We're going through the book, The Comfort Crisis, kind of chapter yeah. by chapter, which I think is a lot of the basis, the foundation that we're trying to build. I think that book uh, supports a lot of those ideas. And then, you know, then we give the last word to. The speaker, and we're also planning on bringing in uh, like a financial consultant just to talk about these guys. Hey, this is where you're at in your life. There's your challenges and opportunities. Here's some things you might want to consider. And so, just overall education, I think at some point is appropriate as well. Well, on that note, um, NIL, we've, we've discussed this a bit too, and it just it's growing. I mean, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with it. It might get better regulated as we go here, but. You're talking about financial education. Are there are there areas where the guys are coming in talking to them about NIL education? Because I know recently UNC partnered with a collective to see what that might look like too. So I think now it would be a, a great opportunity to educate these guys what that looks like if you actually do start getting some money um, on the NIL side of things. Absolutely, yeah. Our, our uh, we have. Um we have all those pieces in place at UNC. It's it's kind of a department wide effort, to be quite honest. And our um, our athletic department does a really good job of bringing in educators in the NIL space and teaching these players how to market themselves. And then we have the connections in in place as well with in terms of the collection. And um, I think. It, you know, at a place like like UNC, I don't know that there's you know the same type of opportunities that you might read about on ESPN or something like that. It's it's not that type of NIL opportunity. But I think if a player really wanted to hustle in that area and maximize their name, image, and likeness, all of the vehicles are in place and the education's been taught to them. What do you think about NIL overall? I mean, when you first hear it, when you, when it first came out, we're because again, a lot of coaches absolutely despise it. Some coaches despise it, but they're learning to work with it. Some coaches are kind of cool with it. Where where did you come out when this first started popping up? I mean, what, the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that getting the players revenue is is fantastic. And I think that's what the the larger schools that are actually bringing in revenue are going to go to is a, is a revenue sharing type program. Um what the what what's going on with NIL really right now behind the scenes mm -hmm. a lot of the big money things are are getting publicity and you 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 hear about this guy that's got a car or a watch or all this money you know to sign the reality is that the bulk of the team is not getting that and this is not this is not a sport of basketball this is this is not something where you can have one two three guys come in and carry a football team you can have three guys get injured 
in in a stretch of two games, and your season's done if that's how you're if that's how you're preparing it. You're actually demotivating most of the roster, and so I think this level of football is a little more pure, and probably what the major college level is going to eventually drop down to. I know there's a lot of excitement right now from corporations, business owners. Hey, I'm I've got this guy representing me. How much money? are those guys actually bringing in for those companies? And so in the end, it just gets back to kind of a, a donation thing. You know, the name, image, and likeness, you've got professional baseball players, basketball players that don't have these huge endorsement deals. I mean, obviously, the, the top the top half do. Yeah. But there's, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth guys on the basketball bench in, in, in the NBA that aren't making the same money that college football players are making. Eventually, I think the market correction's coming. I just think it's, so, it's such an interesting concept with all of it because like you said the businesses are depends on what your goal is some are just looking at it as hey i'm just donating i'm throwing this money at that kid because i want what whatever i know they're not supposed to do the pay for play but that's what gets so gray with some of this stuff where the business is like hey i want to make sure that guy sticks around i'm going to go to the collective i want that i don't know how that works exactly but i want that money ultimately to go to that guy I have a hard time. My brain has a hard time computing that because that, again, that seems like pay for play. So yeah. um, understanding all this is is very unique. But now I've actually talked to a lot of businesses that have tried it before, whatever, and they look at it and go, yeah, we want to see, can they do something for us? Are they going to come out for a signing day or something like that? Are they Are they promoting us on social media? So that part of it I do like because you are – you're having them do other things other than just be a football player, which I know that's how it's designed to be. Um, but it's just to the point where you're competing with so many different things. You're, you know, a, guy, a business is donating to a team, donating to a player, donating to the club, whatever. It's uh, it's a wild, it's wild, wild west right now. Uh, look at the. I mean, to me, the fear for me, uh, not not that I'm the you know the the pontificator or the prognosticator for, for all of college football, but right. But when I look at it globally, uh, the sport and the dangers of, of NIL and where this may or may not go. I look at baseball, which was America's pastime and the most popular sport for, for decades and decades, maybe, at least maybe a century, right? And and I believe that part of the reason that, that people aren't as interested in baseball right now and the ratings keep dropping is because there is no salary cap. There is no parity. Yeah. There is no there, – it's not a level competition, right? And, it, and yeah, I think, you know, if you've if, if you paid attention to the Moneyball thing, right, like that was a great story, but it was a one-off, you know. And and the NFL, there's so much more parity. The NBA has so much more parity, and I think it's because there are there are stops in places to make sure that it's a more competitive league throughout. Yeah, I mean, even looking at the NBA, they're they're trying to to make it so you can't have three monster superstars now. With their with their 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 contract situation is the most confusing thing in the history of the world. Yeah. But that's where you have to be careful. With this NIL thing, and that's where I was naive, Coach. I mean, at the beginning of all this, I I was always advocating for some sort of name, image, and likeness. I always used the Johnny Manziel story or the Jeremy Bloom story, the skier, the Olympic skier from CU. Um, If you sign an autograph and give it away, should you be able to say, yeah, it's $10? I always thought, yes, you you could. And if they want to pay you $10 for your autograph, that's on them. Great. But it, it went way further than I could ever imagine, and I thought... Some of these under-the-table dealings that we dealt with years ago would go away. They'd just be over the top now. But that's not the case. We're, and we're probably seeing more under-the-table dealings going on. Yeah, they're just legal, legal <laughs> over-the-table dealings. But it's the same yeah. thing. You know, when Brian Bosworth was 
paid a lot of money to look out his dorm window and make sure that the oil rig was still pumping. You know, that I think that's the type of deals that these guys are getting now. And, and that's and that's fine. It's, it's I think it's a step toward the right direction of, hey, these this this sport is very popular. It's bringing in a lot of money. Um, you can only build up your facilities so much um, with with that money. There's got to be another way to somehow get these players uh, their fair market value, and and I have no issue with that. I think, in fact, I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, if you if you take care of the, just like anything in life, if you take care of it, and you can really analyze what what this is, then it could be a real positive thing. On that note, you know, you guys are talking about how to handle your business off the football field too. So when it comes to NIL, those can be distractions that, that can be all great. You get some money. It's exciting. But one of the things I know you're, you're preaching with your, your players too is, is having kind of, you know, that social life that means something yeah. outside. It's not just about money and partying and all that stuff. You're here to, to do a job. You're here to educate yourself, get educated at school. So you're really preaching that. We talked a little bit about that last week, but kind of a social life, as, as you're calling it, a social life of substance. That's right. A social life they can be proud of, a social life. Uh, I think the so, their social life is a major component of who they are, just like their spiritual life, just like their academic life, just like their their, their football life or their athletics pursuits. I, I think it's super important to be balanced. In order to be the best football player you can be, I think you've got to be balanced so that the ups and downs of the sport and the season don't bring you down too much. A social life's a really important of that part of that, but it's got to be uh, one of substance. And so we're, we're, that's one of the things we're doing after our last word meetings on Fridays. We're having team activities. And sometimes it's a, it's a freebie. You know, we did a, we did a massive dodgeball game in a, in, you know, in three bats that stretched three basketball courts across offense versus defense. We played a it's couple of rounds of dodgeball game. It was an epic dodgeball game. We did an epic knockout game, you know, but then we've done some other things. We took the boys bowling and then uh, this week we're actually going to uh, one of the university choir concerts on Friday. Nice. And so just the idea of, hey, guys, you can have fun together with each other without the booze, certainly without the drugs. Uh, y- you can wake up uh, feeling refreshed, vibrant, ready to attack Saturday morning workouts. You can you can do things and have fun and build relationships. And you know, I've, I've talked about it before, but the idea of, in, in John Wooden's per, uh, pyramid of success, just the idea of friendship, friendship on a team and, and how powerful that becomes down the stretch in critical moments in games. And so we've been doing a lot of preaching on it. I think as a coach, you get what you emphasize. I wish I would have emphasized it more last year, but we're making the corrections and, and getting better as a coaching staff as well. How are the guys today? As we're, we're, we're recording this February 15th, how are the guys responding to that message, the life of substance? Hey, Focus on other things. We, we're asking you to do those things. We're asking you to commit and be dedicated, and that means even in your free time, you're doing the right thing. How is that being received right now with uh, with your current roster? I'm really excited. This uh, Obviously, our roster is, is flipping fast. It's going from guys we didn't recruit, guys we don't exactly know who they are, we don't exactly know who their parents are, and that tends to flip pretty quickly. New classes come in, other guys are transferring out, and the bulk of the roster becomes guys that we know really well. What I'm starting to see, which is really encouraging, is that we've got um, a majority of guys now who are putting pressure on the guys who don't show up, who don't show up with energy to lift, who don't show up uh, on on time, who don't show up in the classroom. There's a lot of pressure right now, and I think we may have a few more guys decide to hit that portal because of not just the pressure the coaches are putting on but the, the fellow players are putting on, like, hey, you don't fit here. If your deal is to go home all of Christmas break 
and booze and not work out, come in out of shape and spend a month trying to get back ready into shape, you're behind. And that message right now is is really being pushed by the players. And I, I believe that's where the magic really happens in terms of a championship run is the, the leadership always has to start with the coaches. But can the players take it further than that? That to me is is where the magic occurs. Well, you always hear this in, in any sport that you know you're hearing Patrick Mahomes talk about it right after the Super Bowl. It's like, hey, I'm gonna I got to get back to work for that for that. I want to go for three, and we hear that. You know, fans, listeners, whatever they hear that and go, okay, he's 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 gonna work out. He's gonna do those things. But for some of these guys, it's like maybe we had a fun night celebrating the Super Bowl, and then the very next day. We're getting right back after. Is that what it, I mean? When you talk about dedication, and if you really want to bring a championship to this area, it's going to take a lot of work. And and that's what I think you're really trying to emphasize with these guys. It's it's not just practice. It's it's making the right decision literally every single day. Yeah, it's, it's feeling like you deserve to win. And you know, I, I don't know that the exact formula is there for everybody. I know that the that the parties. Uh, get a lot more publicity with NFL players than the behind-the-scenes work, than the year-long work. Right. I know that that most of the guys that that I know in the NFL are are training incredibly hard year-round. They have uh, they've got sports psychologists as part of their team now. They're 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 they've got nutritionists. They're leaving no stone unturned. And so the idea that this is some kind of you know the NFL some kind of thug life like that's the movies, man. And that's that's the very small percentage of guys who have already made their money and now they really don't care. And and eventually, what you see, you know, when you see those kind of guys that are just you know not really living right. They're out of the league in the next couple of years, you know, and it's and it's some type of off the field incident or even on the field incident. You know, a guy ripping off his his shoulder pads and, and gesturing to the crowd and mm. walking right out of the stadium. You know, like it, it just doesn't last. You've got to live right. You've got to be a whole person. It's too competitive at the Division One level, much less the NFL level. Well, and it's not just when you're talking about you know whether that's alcohol or drugs. It's other things too. Um, yeah, you want to have you want to be able to, to to free your mind, take a break from reality, whatever that is, watching a movie or something like that. But we've heard reports of, of NFL guys and probably college guys too, where it's like they couldn't put the the video game controller down they couldn't stop doing this instead of picking up their playbook there has to be a, a, a realistic balance but you've seen that you know in the, especially as you get to division one football the nfl you can't just be a really good athlete and then it just works out for you you really have to focus your mind on on doing the things that's going to get you to that next level absolutely and and i know I mean, I, you know, I've been just been coaching long enough now that I've been fortunate enough. I've, I've, I tell the players this: I've coached about fifty guys now that are that have been in the NFL, had not not tryouts, but active, legitimate careers in the NFL that set them up for uh, for the rest of their life in many ways. And you know, that's that's not some incredible record by me. That's like I guess like two a year, right? Two two guys that have coached that's, a year. That's not. I, yeah, and I've been a head still. coach a lot, so I can claim a whole team, right? Yeah. Whereas, whereas a position coach might say, "Well, I don't uh, coach DBs. I don't feel good about claiming that." defensive lineman that went to the NFL. So it's it's not an extraordinary number from a from a coaching standpoint, but I think our to our players, I hope the message to them is look, I know the type of character qualities that it takes. I know the type of work ethic that it takes. And you take a guy like uh, Fred Warner, I was coaching the linebackers at BYU when Fred Warner came through as a linebacker. I mean, you know, Fred comes from a rough situation, and, and some people think San Diego, and they only think of beaches and vacations. He comes from a rough area of San mm. Diego, and he doesn't come from much. And the idea uh, to Fred that somebody would care about his future success, that somebody would care about his academic success, that somebody would set up um, 
you know, uh, not just mandatory workouts, but voluntary workouts, that somebody would be there for him at every step of the journey. That that to him was was unbelievable. It, it was like he he bought into every single minute. He made the most of every single one of his minutes. Tyler Algier, very similar story. You know, Tyler was playing running back, but some people don't know before he was our starting running back at BYU. I had him at linebacker, and then. Uh, I actually took him from the running back room, and he started that week and led our team in tackles. And then the, the running backs got had an injury, and he goes back to running back, and that's you know that was the end of his linebacker story. But there's another guy taking advantage of everything because of the resources that were made available to him. It's got to be such a useful tool for you to be able to point to those guys too with your players when you're seeing current NFL players have success, and you can say, hey. I, the proof is in the pudding. I know what those guys sacrificed. And they, they had excuses. You talk about Fred Warner. He had a weird background. He had an excuse to maybe not focus as much, but he didn't take it. He didn't use it. He put his best foot forward and now look at him. So that's got to be based off of years of work in this industry. It is. And and there's, you know, we've got guys, uh, you know, Josh Thornton played corner for us at SUU and now he's part of our staff and, and he played in the NFL. And then his roommate, Miles Killebrew, is still playing in the NFL. And now he's had a 10-year career. He was an all-pro this year. He's coming to speak to the team uh, oh, in March. That would be awesome. And so that's one the guys can really relate to because it's like, okay, well, yeah, coach, great. You coached at BYU and saw some some NFL guys come through. I'm like, no, the, the bulk of guys that I've seen come through have been from the small college level at, at those at those places I coached because I coached so many years at those places. We set the record at SUU for guys invited to the combine from an FCS school, three in one year. You, most Power Five schools don't even have two in one year. So that was an incredible record on that year. Miles was one of those guys, and he's going to come talk to the players. And 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 not only that, it, you know, the first thing he asked me was, Coach, are you still doing Saturday morning workouts? Are you still doing the, the Misogis, the 316s? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I want to make sure that I'm there for Saturday morning. I want to do it. I mean, that <laughs> that's when you know that, that that kind of stuff has a lasting impact. Yeah. I mean, you guys – can can call out your certain workouts and, and techniques years later and then, then still want to be a part of it. I mean, that's got to be pretty special for you. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's – and I, I tell our play, our current players that all the time. Like, you've heard me say it before. You know, I, I really want them to like me now. I want them to like me for the, all, all the efforts I'm making. But, but my – in the end, what I'm looking for is 10 to 15 years from now. Do they appreciate – the type of pressure that I put on them now, 15 years from now, are they staying in touch with me? Are, are they grateful for that? If, if the answer to that is yes, then it really doesn't matter if, if I annoy them right now or they're not super happy every day to be around me. Like I get that. They're, I want these guys to be united and grateful. If they're united and grateful for me, that's good, or against me, that's good. But I want them to be united and grateful. Well, you, you're talking about the leadership on this team, and you're saying a lot of those guys are stepping up, and they're trying to hold guys accountable and maybe some are, as you said, get annoyed or upset with you. And maybe that results into, you know, I just don't like this style. I don't like what the message is. And you you said this last week, the portal is your friend. And you might see some of that. Do you do you almost view it as, and, and maybe there's a better term for this, almost weeding guys out? Because you want guys that line up with what you do. You The proof is in the pudding. You have guys that you've worked with that are playing at an elite level, have played at an elite level. And and you're you have that to to, to go back to and say to these guys, is it kind of like weeding out? Is that um, kind of a is it a fair philosophy or fair term? Yeah, no, no, it is. Um, it, it, there's there's a few ways to weed. You, you know yeah. that I like yeah. I like I you're, like gardening. You're I'm a garden farmer. Guy. Yeah, I'm a pasture guy, and and so I would say the way we weed out is is to fertilize and mow everything. 
you know, we're, we're looking for the, the, the good stuff to take over. We're looking for the crop to take over. We're looking for the good grass to take over and choke out the weeds. Uh, we're, not, we're not actively going and say, there's a weed Get out of here. You know, that's I would I want I love that. Yeah. I want everybody to change. That's 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 my first priority is hey fellas, I'm preaching it. I'm doing everything I can. I'm in front of you. Um it, the, I'm declaring my intentions. Please buy in because my goal is to have every one of you achieve your dreams right here at UNC. But if you're not willing to meet us halfway and if that weed head just keeps popping up <laughs> in your presence, yeah, you know, at, at some point we're we're hoping that the grass chokes it out. I love that. That's a great way to look at it too, because you're, if you build up their surroundings and they're they're surrounded by guys that are no, I'm not going to do that. I have workouts in the morning. No, I'm not. I don't have time for that. Then you start getting that player. It's like, wow, he's 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 looking good. You know, he's sharper than ever. He's he's learning more. He's able to recall certain plays way better than I am. He's faster than I am. He's stronger than I am. I want to start being like that guy. And that's probably true for all of life too. If you have that. A bad egg or whatever, somebody that's just not getting it, and then their voice is able to be the loud one and promoted, then the rest are going to follow suit. So I think that's probably true for all walks of life. Absolutely. I just, I've lived it. I've experienced it. I've, I've, I've been the skunk. I've hung around with the skunks. You, you can't, you can't hang out with skunks and not stink. That's just, mm. that's, that's the way of the world. And, you know, I, I think that um, as a coach, if, if I can, you know, look parents in the eye during the recruiting process and know that um, I absolutely believe that I will surround their son with great role models as coaches and great peer models with the other people that I recruit, then I can feel very good about what I'm accomplishing on a day-to-day basis. How difficult, and, and you don't have to get in obviously any specifics here, but I, I was watching on Netflix, it was the uh, the Urban Meyer, the Florida Gators documentary, it was okay. Um but one of the stories, one of their stud players, his mom and dad came in to talk to Urban Meyer. And Urban said they'd clearly been out all night. You know, they reeked of alcohol. And so I thought, right, man, that's going to be tough because they're they're not putting any extra pressure. So certainly when he goes home or whatever, it's right back to what I was doing. Are there those cases where, okay, that's – look at their background. That's tough. I'm trying to change here, and then every time they go home or whatever, it resets. Yeah, it really interesting that you, that you pick that that piece out because one thing I can tell you is that it, I, I'm painting with a very broad brush here. But one thing that I can tell you is that the players that I've coached that truly come from rough situations that you would say, okay, this is not this is this is this is not conducive to the type of things that they you know that that are going to bring them success later on if, if they don't break this pattern. They dive all in mm. to the structure of college football, to the fact that there are people that are going to love them unconditionally. And if they, if they keep meeting the marks, then they just they get further and further into the fold and they become leaders. And, and much of that same episode, the young man that, that, you're, that you're alluding to, he was the guy that, that was pushing the other players. If the other players were showing up and not working hard in the weight room, he was calling them out. What'd you do last night? Mm-hmm. You, I think you overheard him say that at some point, right? And he was calling players out for being party guys when he was a workout guy. And eventually he took uh, the young uh, Spikes linebacker in, into the stadium and said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to the NFL. 
you better get serious. Yeah. Because I'm leaving a legacy here that I'm giving to you and you haven't earned it yet. You know, and it was kind of like, it was a great message right there. To me, most of the guys that get in the most trouble are the ones who are a little more sheltered and structured and interesting in, in, at their, in their home life. And then they come in and, and, you know, before the coach knows it, they're, they're experimenting, making their own decisions. I suppose that could be true with life too when you go to college. And you know, sometimes that 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 kid that doesn't do anything in college, you know, he just stays home, he whatever, he's a good student, then he goes out in the world for the first time and then boom, just freaks out. The other ones that are like, dude, I've done all that stuff. Yeah. I'm here to get serious. I I mean, I'm going to be an adult. I am kind of an adult. I'm looking at my career, whether that's football or what comes after, life after football, which is why I think it's so great having all these guest speakers come in. Um, but that's interesting to hear you say that because I think on the surface, some people say bad background, he's going to have a bad time. He's not going to, he's going to fall into old habits or things like that. And you're kind of saying, Hey, I, some of the times I'm seeing the opposite. I'd, I'd certainly like for everybody to have a, you know, a, a, a home life experience that, uh, that, that we would say, okay, well that, that looks like it's going to point to success. You've had great guidance up to this point, but really we want to dive into what that player is. And if the, if the player has certain and specific goals that, He's already habitized in front of his high school head coach, and we've got a relationship with that high school head coach and can trust it. Then you know that that's something that we're willing to say. Hey, it's it's about the player. It's not necessarily about the parents. We hope it's a we hope it's that exact picture that we're all looking for. But this is about the player that we're recruiting, and if that player has has excelled in the past and he knows how to ignore some of the temptations that are going on even at the high school level and pour himself into being the best student athlete he can be, well, we can tap into that. Coach, um, we've got a couple of minutes here. What's on tap next that we can look forward to that we'll probably be bringing to the show next week? Uh, well, yeah, this week we're we're um, we're starting to move into that transition as coaches towards spring practice. Recruiting is now uh, reset the cycle. We're still recruiting on a daily basis. It's it's twenty four seven year round, right? But you know, in terms of the acute phase of of signing a class, we just finished that, and so there's a little less day to day pressure. There's more time to dive into last year's cut-ups of the season and learn what we can do better as coaches and be prepared to bring that to the players towards spring practice. Our players are also going from like a growth and mass phase in the weight room, and we're starting to do a little bit more uh, speed and agility work on the field. Ramping up toward, obviously, we want to be we want to be fully ready to play live tackle football at least for some of the practices during the spring practice sessions, with, which will start up in April. So, really, a transition phase in the in the off season training. Last year, you did something unique with the spring game too. Is that kind of still the same plan going forward? Because I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, we did uh, some guest coaches, and and certainly still open to that. You know, nobody's really uh, reached out, and and I think uh, uh, you know. If, in the first year, that could have been a really good thing. I think this year right now we're, we're working on some ideas, but it might just be kind of a pre-spring game. Um, hey, come on into the film room. Let me show you some of the guys that we've been excited about through spring. I do a daily with the players. I do a daily, hey, here's what went well in practice yesterday. Here's what didn't go well, and it's kind of a video thing. That would be very easy for me to pick out the top maybe 15 to 30 clips and show some of our you know alumni or you know most most uh, supportive fans show them what's going on with the team as we ramp into spring practice. Oh, right. It's right around the corner, coach. It's yeah. going to be exciting. Um, so we'll be talking more about that as we get rolling. Uh, overall, it's always fun to catch up with you. You know, great to do these podcasts each and every week. What do you think of the Super Bowl? Oh man, I, 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 <laughs> I like to throw you for a loop and just you, randomly. Yeah, ask. you know, I was looking. I think I told you I was looking for a low scoring game and a San Francisco win, and it, and it really. 
it, it, the game shaped up like that for the most yeah, part. I yeah. mean, it, it, here's it doomed San Francisco in the end to miss the PAT. That was the difference in the game, Huge. and then the muffed punt return. So it's so often in a competitive game come, comes down to the special teams, and not to take anything away from the Chiefs' final drive and, and the Patrick Mahomes magic and all that stuff. I mean, that uh, all credit deserved. But I felt like that game was won. Now, I, I told you, full disclosure, I'm in San Francisco. I grew up a 49er fan, but I, I felt like that that game, uh, they did what they needed to, to do in that game offensively and defensively. And what a lesson for all young football players. The special teams is what doomed them. Help me out with this because, you know, you're a coach. You have this. I'm, I'm going, why do coaches sometimes, it seems like they almost outthink themselves. Kyle Shanahan, Christian McCaffrey, that's working. Just keep yeah. doing it. Third quarter comes around. I think he touched the ball twice. Help me out with that, Coach. What, what, what happens with the coach sometimes where they're like, let's go away from what was working? Because I know it's easier yeah. said than done. Yeah. I, well, I think um, uh, what, I, what a lot of fans can't appreciate, and I don't even know if the, if the television game footage would allow a fan to appreciate yeah. it, but um, I, I can't speak for every, every situation, but a lot of times what's going on, we know as coaches what we should be doing, and the defense has now packed in to the line of scrimmage. And it's not an all-out blitz where you can crack it and go the distance. You know, some, that, some fans might say, well, I, the more people are on the line of scrimmage, the better chance you got to get a big gain. You know, uh, if the defense is thinking the same things the fans are, those guys are pretty dang educated that are coaching the other side too, and they're now making it harder to run. Yeah. You know, defensively, you can make a team do um, the other thing. You know, you can, you can dedicate enough guys to where they can do the other thing. And so it's when that other thing doesn't work, when as a coach, that's where I think the scrutiny really needs to come into play because you don't want to, you don't want to make it first and 12. If you're seeing that defense pre-snap, most plays in college and NFL football, they have a run-pass component. So the quarterback is already trained. Okay, here's that nine-man box. I have to throw it in this situation because we're not putting ourselves in the best situation to win. Now, whether somebody wants to argue that, that McCaffrey could be breaking tackles, okay, yep, you know, I get that. But as a coach, you're not asking your players to do that all the time. Um, in that situation until maybe the four-minute drill. And then all you're looking to do is run the clock, maybe get a score, but you feel like if you run the clock and even punt that you may win. Coach, if you just run on the outside, just run just on the outside. Just do it, yeah. You know? <laughs> That's all you every do. time. That works. Next Why year, won't you do the thing that would have worked every time? <laughs> That's, you know? What I, you know? That's my philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, uh, I always love it, man. Um, yeah, I know we're, we'll have some fun uh, next week, and each and every week's going to kind of be – just a different feel to this podcast. So, again, I really appreciate you jumping in, and we'll look forward to doing this again next week. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for all your effort. Football 52 will have a weekly podcast for you available at 1310kfka.com. We're putting this out through the whole show channels, so just search the whole show on your Apple, Spotify, all your podcast stuff, or find it at 1310kfka.com. Football 52 with UNC head coach Ed Lamb.